0: The greatest success story the world has ever known, and that is America. Thank you for coming along with us as we build the bridge to conversation throughout our great nation daily right here on the C.L. Bryant Show. I am C.L. Bryant reminding all of you who are walking through Times Square uh, there in New York City. Be sure to look up above Ripley's Believe It or Not, and there you will see the Red State Talk billboard, which is there. And every hour, twenty-four hours a day, the C.L. Bryant Show does pop up there, and old C.L.'s face looking right back at you in Times Square. If you don't get both hours of the show, not only demand it, but download, download free the C.L. Bryant Show, the C.L. Bryant Show in the App Store. Hey, folks, uh, there's a lot of uh, going on today, and we got a, a jam-packed uh, show for you here today. We're gonna kick it off with uh, Scott. Feltman uh, of One Israel Fund. Uh, many of you know, and all of you should know by now that, of course, I am a friend of Israel and uh, being a Christian and uh, in embracing the Judeo-Christian ethic that I believe our country is absolutely founded upon. It's important to me the sa- safety and security of the state, the nation of Israel. Uh, Scott Feltman, welcome to the C.L. Bryant Show, One Israel Fund. Thank you so much for being on with me.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure.
0: Scott, let me ask you this. First of all, enlighten our audience as to what exactly One Israel Fund is, for those who may not know.
1: Sure. So 25 years ago, right after the signing of the Oslo court, which everybody knows, uh, One Israel Fund was created in order to provide humanitarian aid to the communities in Judea and Samaria or as your your listening audience, audience might think of it as a settlement a popular word today obviously um, and for 25 years we have been basically working in uh, in tandem with uh, government agencies with the uh, with the IDF and more importantly with the the people on the ground in these 150 communities to fill in the gaps whether it be needed security equipment, uh, medical, uh, or communal needs like playgrounds and, uh, and, and synagogues uh, where, where it's needed and community centers and whatever is basically needed. We also give scholarships for kids to go to schools, uh, pretty much anything and everything that's needed that's not provided either by the government or obviously the other um, major philanthropic organizations that exist today uh, throughout the world.
0: You know, when you mention that and when you talk about it and folks, it is very important uh, and will, of course, give you an, an opportunity to become a part of and support uh, one One Israel Fund. Uh, here before the uh, show, before our interview is over. But uh, when I think about um, the um, the Mideast, and particularly Israel and Jerusalem, my wife and I have visited, and we always love the land. We love the feeling that uh, the land gives us, but you do live in a very dangerous neighborhood, uh, Judea, Samaria. Tell us about that area, and why is it so violent, and why is it so important? Important that we pay attention to the security of our Jewish friends in the area.
1: Well, it's interesting uh, because before 1994, uh, before what we know now as the Intifada, uh, the people who were living in Judea and Samaria had pretty good relations with many of their Arab neighbors. Uh, It was only after the influx of uh, of the PLO uh, into those areas that the the over almost overnight uh, it became a war zone. And in those early days from, uh, from 1994 when we were created and certainly expanded in 2000 with uh, what we call the Oslo War, um, every day we were dealing with drive-by shootings, uh, terrorist infiltrations and the like. And uh, it was the, the likes of which we, we had never seen before. Uh, so our organization shifted very, very heavily into providing uh, various types of security equipment in order to prevent attacks. Uh, both on the roads and certainly within the communities. Um, it's it's a dangerous place, but I want you to know in 25 years, it's grown from about 110,000 residents to close to half a million uh, because it's just a wonderful, wonderful area. It's It connects tra- straight to the Bible. Um, I'm sure your listeners will, will, will know many of the venerable places like Hebron and, and Shiloh and uh, Beit El and, um, and the likes. Yes. It's really the history of the Jewish people. It's the cradle of our civilization um, in the Judeo-Christian world. Um, and therefore, it's, you know, it's important for us to maintain it, for it to be strong. Uh, and we provide those needs for the people to be able to live fruitful and, uh, and productive lives there.
0: Absolutely. Uh, but it's and a we, dangerous place. Absolutely. And it is a dangerous place, folks. And we're wanting to sh- highlight that. We're going to give you a historical perspective on it as well. My guest, uh, Scott Feltman of One Israel Fund. And, uh, Scott, if people are inclined to uh, be of help to your cause and uh, to the movement of One Israel Fund, how do they do that?
1: So we have a website, oneisraelfund.org. Exactly how it sounds. Everything's written out. Uh, one o n e, israelfund.org. Uh, they can uh, they can donate right online. They can even pick individual projects by which you know, for which to support. Uh, we're also on Facebook and Instagram and all the other social media platforms. Um, or they can do it the old-fashioned way and call us because we love speaking and hearing from our donors as well. So uh, they can reach us five one six. Two three nine nine two zero two. ask for me, Scott, I'll answer the phone. Um, you know, we, we like having that connection with our donors, um, and, uh, and, and it means so much. It doesn't matter if it's $5 or, you know, or $5,000, every gift matters. And we have a very unique distinction. Uh, we are consistently ranked with a four-star rating by an organization called CharityNavigator.org. And one of the things that's for is making sure that most of the money that we raise goes to what we say it's going for. So you know, if you're giving it to a playground, it's going for a playground, um, and that's one of the you know the, the, the best parts of of what I do. Uh, and now I think you you interviewed one of our one of our uh, directors in Israel, Dave, Rabbi David Marcus, a few months back. We're building yes. a hospital now. Yes, uh, in uh, the ben, in the Benjamin region, uh, the, the Samaria is divided into two regions. So there's Benjamin and the Samaria regions. Uh, and we're building a hospital now, which is going to completely um, transcend the entire area, not only for uh, for the for the Jewish community, but also for the Arab population as well.
0: It is an absolute uh, worthy. Cause, my friends, one Israel fund and uh, certainly find the website, one Israel fund and go there. It is a worthy, worthy uh, cause. And let me ask you this then, Scott, when we look at, and you've, you've been around long enough to have a perspective from the Clinton era, the Bush era, Obama, and then of course, now Donald John Trump, is it a noticeable uh, difference in relationship with America? America um, now than perhaps in previous administrations give us your perspective
1: I don't think we've ever seen anything like this I mean there's no question that President Trump has been the you know the greatest friend to Israel that uh, that we've ever seen in, in in the United States of America since Israel's founding in 48. Um, from uh, from Ambassador Friedman to the to the moving of the embassy and you know the the, the support he gave on the Golan Heights, but you know yesterday's announcement uh, goes beyond all of those things. You know, America has recognized Jerusalem officially since nineteen ninety five as its capital. Israel annexed the Golan Heights in nineteen eighty one, but the settlements, for whatever reason, have been this thorn in the side of the international community. And having the the administration yesterday. With their statement, um, you know, changes the whole dynamic for everything we do, and, and it's my it's my hope that more and more people uh, will get involved now in in supporting these areas. You know, that's going to be the major uh, the major change that I hope we see is that you know the settlements are are really a, a, a especially in Israel is is an accepted norm. I mean, there are five hundred thousand. Uh, Israeli citizens, which is you know, it's almost 10, 10% of the, of, of the Jewish Israeli population in the entire country is now living in Judea and Samaria. So all Israel did was, uh, all America did was really looking at at the facts as they are and not what the international community might sometimes imagine them to be.
0: Help us here in the so. West. Help us here in the West, Scott Feldman, understand uh, the difference in life. In Judea Samaria, even though you have a, a very substantial population of uh, Jews there in Judea Samaria. Uh, but perhaps when we in the West think of the life that is lived there as compared to, say, New York, Chicago, Houston, whatever you might want to name, give us a flavoring <laughs> of the difference in the type of neighborhood you live in. And the one that we may live in here. Talk to us about that. So, so I'll tell
1: you. The first thing you need to understand is that there are 150 communities. Um, some of them are major city centers. You know, we have uh, cities like Ariel and Beitar and Malia Dumim, which are cities of upwards of 20 to 50 thousand people living there. Uh, and have all the amenities of uh, of any you know city in America. Um, they have beautiful homes and property, and they have malls and shopping centers and all kinds of things. But then you have other communities that are sometimes you know 20, 30 families, um, you know, living and establishing an area. Uh, for whatever reason, and uh, the needs there are very, you know, quite different. Uh, but you have, you know, you have liberals and progressives, and you have conservatives, and, and uh, you know, the settlements are a, are a melting pot of Israeli society. That being said, um, you know, they they certainly, uh, for the most part, many of them have an ideological, uh, reason for being there. Uh, some live, live there for the quality of life. You don't have this, these major city centers with traffic and you can let your kids play outside at night. Um, and it's a very, very warm and, and healthy environment, uh, that I've watched grow over the years in, in so many different areas. Um, the one thing that you, you know, that you, you obviously do have, Every community has its own security team. Its own uh, team of civilian security members um, who patrol their communities on a nightly basis, because, um, as you know, obviously uh, it is a tough area, and that's part of life living in uh, in, in in the areas of Judea and Samaria. Samaria. Um, you know, we take it for granted here uh, with our police department and other things that are defending us, but over there, it's very very real uh, when you know when people are are getting into vehicles at, in the middle. Of the night, with you know, with cameras and looking into the the hillsides near them, um, it's a very real sense of uh, of responsibility that uh, that they have. Um, but you know, it's very hard to pin down you know, what the settlements are like. I mean, you, you do have these hilltop communities. Um, there are people who literally start these communities. They don't have, ele- you know, electrical wires. Um, I remember going to a farm uh, where they were literally using extension cord after extension cord to another community just to be able to get basic uh, electricity. <laughs> wow. Uh, and they and they do that, and you know, and they do that because they understand that the cities that are 20,000 today were no different 25 years ago. So, you know, the importance is uh, is is you know those facts on the ground, um, and protecting the areas. Um, That's amazing. There's so much, Ill- Let there's me ask so much you illegal building.
0: Let me ask you this. Um, Scott Feltman is my special guest here uh, this hour. One Israel Fund. One Israel Fund. uh, Find a way to help them be a friend of Israel. But, Scott, when we think about uh, Judea, Samaria and uh, the violence we talked about earlier in the outset of the show, uh, the interview, is there an identifiable culprit, uh, an instigator of the type of unrest and violence that is targeted at the Jewish people there in Judea Samaria?
1: Oh, without question. I mean, obviously, you know, everybody thinks of Hamas as being the major culprit, but the fact of the matter is the palestinian authority and fatah are just as much to blame um and now uh, you know today we see much more uh coming from uh, from directly from iran uh but you know there's really no difference between hamas and fatah in what goes on in these areas um they each they each have their own cells that are constantly looking to uh to attack to infiltrate uh and to stir unrest um it's it it it, we don't we, we really do not make any distinctions uh, we constantly see these cells. In fact, what you're listening audience may not be aware of, it's almost every day that terrorist attacks are thwarted. Uh, you know, some are by the IDF, obviously, and some are actually thwarted with our equipment. I mean, I get letters on a regular basis and video footage of our security cameras finding uh, would-be infiltrators before they get into a community. Thankfully, you don't hear about those.
0: Hmm. <laughs> Wow. And we don't, folks. There is so much that uh, we do not hear about. And when we return, of course, we have a few more minutes left here in this segment with Scott Feltman, One One Israel Fund. Uh, we're going to return with him after the break where we're going to talk much more about uh, the nation of Israel and what is necessary for it to continue to exist of course I know that it will because the hand of God as far as I can see uh, not only through uh, the study of uh, the Middle East and the the nation of Israel the state of Israel the nation of Israel now uh, is that surely you can see the divine hand of God upon uh, this people and so when we return, we want to uh, talk about uh, the government there with Netanyahu and those who might be, of course, um, wanting to uh, see something different happen. We don't get an idea of the form of government, the type of government that Israel is governed by with Scott Feldman, One Israel Fund. Scott, uh, when we think about uh, the sense of patriotism that I think is beginning to wane and lack here in America. My wife and I were on um, a plane to Tel Aviv with uh, to, no, yes, to Tel Aviv with um, a group of students that coming back from America and the amazing thing when they touched down on the uh, runway in Tel Aviv they began to uh, sing uh, the uh, Hava and of course it, it was mm-hmm. just an amazing thing to to hear the the patriotism in their voices is that something that is very common among Jewish people, or is that was that just a one offer for us? I got about two minutes left in this segment.
1: No, no, it's not a one off at all. Uh, you remember, almost the entire society serves in the army. You know, there's a certain sense of of country and patriotism and pride uh, that 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 they get from serving their country, and even those who don't go into the army, they have a certain uh, national service that they have to perform. So it really breathes a patriotism that we don't see almost anywhere else in the world, um, and. I see even you know even more so in the areas of Judea and Samaria. Like we, we we look back when when the 8,000 people were removed from Gaza, from Gush Katif, from the Jewish communities back in 2005. Almost every one of those families, the kids still went to the army, and it was the army that removed them. So you sit there and you and you and you ask why, but they care about the country. They they want their country to succeed, and you know we. We bled for it for over 2,000 years to be able to return to the land that was given to us back in the Bible. Um, You know, we're not going to do anything to jeopardize that. And no matter where you are in the political spectrum... Um, even those on the far left in Israel, I still believe that they have a sense of country. They may just have a different vision of what they think is right. But there's still a patriotism across the board. Um, I'm not going to comment necessarily on what's going on here, per se. Right, Over right, there, right. I you understand. Know, every, every, everyone has a patriotism for the country. And, you know, it's funny because, as you, I'm sure you know, David Ben Gurion, the first. Hold, time yes, here. I hold that, so mean,
0: hold that thought. Hold that thought, right there, Scott. Hold yeah, that thought. Sure. We're gonna we're gonna come back after the break with Scott Feltman, one Israel fund. Hold that thought, Scott. You're listening to the C.L. Bryant Show it. over Red State, Red State Talk Radio, the number one platform of talk, conservative talk in the. Country, Red State, Talk, Radio. I'm CL Bryant. This is the CL Bryant Show. We'll return after this very brief break. back with you on this great day in the USA. Thank you for coming along with us as we build the bridge to conversation throughout our great nation every day right here on the C.L. Bryant show. I am C.L. Bryant. My special guest this hour has been Scott Feltman. One Israel Fund. Scott tell the people again how they can uh, join come alongside of you, join up with you or help you in any way.
1: The easiest way is to go straight to our website, oneisraelfund.org. Again, dot org. They can donate directly. They can choose a project. They can get involved in our events around the country however they want. And every, every single dollar is appreciated. So, um, and there are ways of getting involved even on volunteer basis. So we look forward to everybody.
0: When we look at uh, the form of government that uh, Israel has and when we look at perhaps the turmoil and the, ru- the rough seas that uh, uh, Netanyahu has traveled, uh, these last few months. Uh, give us uh, the insight from your perspective as to the continuity of uh, government in, in, in Israel. How is it, what's the health of it in, in from your perspective? Because Netanyahu is a friend of ours and he's a friend of the president. And um, we certainly would love to see him continue in a very prominent form. What does that, how is that shaping up from your perspective?
1: it's so hard to figure it out right now it changes day to day um i met with um ayala chaked fra- the head of yamina who's actually going to be the guest speaker at our dinner in february uh, if there isn't another election and even you know, even she said to me she goes i have no idea what to make of it right now you know, on one hand it looks like it's going to head to a third election on the other hand it's hard to see how it's you know how how, how the vote is going to change much um, but uh you know, as far as the government is concerned, the country is still healthy it 's a democracy and, and and the people vote what people don 't hear don 't understand is that you know the whole party situation so each small party gets a certain amount of seats in the Knesset, and it takes sixty one in order to make a government so the the complaint uh, uh, that we hear from time to time is that smaller parties have an over uh, an overly um, uh, important Say, in, in the making of the government, so you have a party like uh, Yisrael, uh, Victor Lieberman's party, which has less than 10 seats, is basically pulling strings behind the scenes. Uh, that happens in a in, in a parliamentary uh, government. Um, but the, I- the interesting thing that I, I think people have to understand is for, in a lot of issues – Um, The two main parties don't disagree on, you know, on that much. Um, In fact, when the statement came out yesterday by uh, by Secretary Pompeo. So General Gantz, Benny Gantz, who is the head of the opposition party or, you know, the 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 other top party came out in praise of his statement. So, you know, from from our standpoint, that's very, very comforting to know where the uh, the majority of the country stands today. Uh, because both main parties, which represent almost 70 to 75 percent of the uh, of the electorate in Israel, uh, are very much in you know in support of the in the American government and the American statements they've made over the past number of years. Um, What's going to happen? Anybody knows. I mean, yeah. there's only two days left for for Gantz to try to make a government. So it's not looking great unless he goes this direction of taking the Arabs to vote for him, yeah. which is hard to understand.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and that is exactly the uh, crossroad that uh, I was looking at when I wanted to get your your input up on that because people, uh, what happens in Israel with the, the leadership in Israel uh, greatly. Affects uh, the 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 temperature and the climate, the flavor uh, there in the Middle East. It, it, it makes a, a huge difference. Let me ask you this then, as we uh, further investigate and, and build conv- conversation here. When I consider the the possibility of uh, Arab-Israeli uh, getting getting along as they should have after Carter, Jimmy Carter, uh, with um, uh, the peace accords there. Is it possible in this climate that you could see that type of uh, peace accord again happening? Or are we just really out of control as far as that's concerned? How do you see that?
1: So it's interesting. I see it from the ground up that there are lots of opportunities. Um, today, there are quite a number of industrial zones throughout today of Samaria, which are predominantly um, Arab workers who earn sometimes as much as 10 times the amount that they would get working in their own areas. Um, they get benefits, uh, which is why it's, it's kind of almost a, a laughable joke that the BDS movement, uh, the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement uh, does more to hurt the Arab population than it does the Israeli Jewish population. Um, and uh, the the communities in Judea and Samaria want to increase that uh, immensely over the next 10 years to close to a quarter of a million uh, Arabs working in Israeli businesses in these industrial centers. So from the ground up, you see a very strong willingness to work uh, together and get along. You know, it's funny in Tel Aviv, you can go shopping in every single store and your grocery store and never see a Palestinian Arab Uh, in our areas in Judea and Samaria. uh, You're constantly shopping in the supermarkets with them, um, going to gas stations side by side. Uh, So there is a there's an interaction on a regular basis. And there's a willingness to make that work. Unfortunately, you know, we don't have a partner for that. And the leadership on the Arab side uh, has done everything possible to, uh, to hamper those relations. Uh, an Arab is not allowed to sell a house to, a, to an Israeli Jew uh, for fear of being killed. Wow. You know, you, 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 they, they do everything they can to suppress those relations. So can it happen? Yes, it can happen. Can it happen under the current framework of the uh, of the arab leadership i don't think so
0: let 's then uh, talk about the sameness. Of uh, the two peoples, um, when we speak about it, and and uh, if we talk honestly about it, we're uh, speaking about peoples who are, at worst, uh, distant cousins, and at very best, uh, the, their first cousins, the j- children of two brothers, uh, Ishmael and, mm-hmm. and 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 uh, you know uh, Isaac. But this is the thing that we are wanting to to understand the sameness because, and I ask this question, uh, Scott, because. Because I I have friends who are of Arab uh, descent, and of course, I have Jewish friends all over the world. But I see a lot of the sameness as far as uh, really the way they approach God, the way they approach food, the way they approach uh, various moral um, things. Is there a sameness that perhaps could be a common ground for uh, Jews and Arabs?
1: look they all they share a common culture uh, certainly from the um the 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 Jews who came from arab nations um 850,000 Jews were kicked out of uh arab nations uh, in 48 um and came to israel so they grew up in the same society side by side with their Arab neighbors and in most of those countries um, had very good relations with their Arab nations going all the way back to the medieval times Um, and you do see the commonalities that exist I mean you you referred to food I mean there there are fights all the time as to whether or not hummus and tahina is Arabic or Israeli and who who, who invented the falafel Um, you know they definitely claim a common a common history um, they also, they're amazing in both sides at haggling if you ever go to any of the, the marketplaces, uh, the Israelis or the Arabs. Um, so there is very much a commonality of culture um, and religion. I mean, look, they are the, you know, the Jews and the, and the Muslims are the first monotheistic uh, religions that existed. Uh, sorry, not, not, the, not the Arabs, but, you know, be, besides the Christians, uh, the Jews and the, uh, and the Muslims are the monotheistic people of that area. So there's certainly a commonality. And like I said, you know, for many, many years, the Jews and, and Muslims had very good relations and, and lived side by side. Um, you know, unfortunately, with the rise of Lahabism, um, it really changed that dynamic in a large way. I mean, Muhammad wasn't exactly kind to the Jews, but there were, you know, there were periods of the history when, uh, when the Arab nations were the only ones that would take in Jews. Yeah. Uh, Turkey and Egypt being prime examples. Yeah. Um, so you know there there is hope. Uh, there's a lot of hope. You know everybody talks about two states, one states. Um, you know. There's hope that they can all coexist and live together. I I still believe in my heart of hearts that the Arabs would want to better their lives and have a a better outlook for the future and for their children and their grandchildren. And that's really going to only happen if there's positive relations between the two. Because for so many years, especially in the Palestinian world, they have just been completely suppressed. Uh, And there are quite a number of Arabs who are now speaking out.
0: Scott, uh, Feltman is, um, Scott Feltman Sorry. is Scott my special guest. And, you know, Scott, um, uh, hearing you and listening to you speak, um, um, One Israel Fund is what he represents, folk. Oneisraelfund.org. You go there and uh, find out what that's all about. And, uh, hey, I'm telling you, it's a very worthy uh, cause. But, Scott, when we think about uh, those who uh, are for uh, a two-state solution, which I'm not one of those— um, Uh, I I think about Yasser Arafat and the Palestinians. Uh, Why is it that the Arab nations that have plenty of lands, uh, vast expanses of territory, why is it that uh, Yasser Yasser Arafat and the Palestinians, who are Arabs themselves, run out of Egypt? Why is it that they want to, from your point of view, from your perspective, why is it that... uh, uh, they want to encroach upon that particular uh, part of what I- what is israel why why doesn't the arab na- why don't the arab nations give them uh, uh, their own state if it's that simple talk to us about that
1: you're going to put a target on my back right now when i say this but the fact of the matter is the arabs have used the palestinian population as pawns for years They don't care about them. Um, I don't know if your listening audience knows, but in Syria, we just passed the 4,000 mark of Palestinians that have been killed in the Syrian war. You don't hear anything about it. Nobody cares here. All of these organizations that claim to be working on behalf of the Palestinian Arabs, all of these professors on campuses who delegitimize Israel couldn't care less about the Palestinians. It's all about about, uh, whether you want to call it anti-Israel, anti-Semitism. I don't make that distinction. Um, they have used the Palestinians as a pawn in this uh, it 's only recently and If I have to thank President Obama for one thing, it is that his terrible deal with Iran uh, forced some of the Arab nations to actually start working more closely with Israel um, and create a scenario where Israel has you know significantly better relations with many of the sunni arab nations uh, i 'm not saying I would go back and want the Iran deal again for that reason. Uh, but it was one positive that did come out of it, because the Arabs realize uh, that Israel is the strongest force to combat um, Iran's hegemony and, and attempt to take over the Middle East. Um, but the fact of the matter is, nobody nobody cared about the Palestinians. Their own leadership doesn't care about them. The klepto- you know the kleptocracy that has made people like Yasser Arafat and, and Mahmoud Abbas uh, multi you know billionaires. Uh, was really all they cared about um, if you see the way that they uh they let their people live it 's terrible it 's horrible we don 't want to see that either we would much rather see, you know, prosperity come to the Arab people, uh, to the Palestinian Arabs living in those areas.
0: Absolutely. Um, it very, is, <laughs> that in that it's in itself sad. is the cornerstone of Judeo-Christian ethic, is that we, we provide an opportunity in our faith uh, and through the practice of it of allowing others to be free in expressing their own uh, faith as well. I have never seen uh, a place other than the United States, greater than Israel, that, is, uh, that allows others of other faiths to practice their religion as openly as they would want them to do it for doing unto others as you do unto yourself, is, is basically the motto that Israel lives by. It's obvious to see that. And with that, then, we must look at uh, a murder that occurred uh, of an 18-year-old uh, Israeli citizen and Hamas suspects have been captured in connection with the death of this 18-year-old Israeli citizen. Uh, Scott Feldman is my guest here today. One Israel Fund, go there, OneIsraelFund.org. Scott, uh, give us your take on: uh, Will this become a powder keg? Uh, the the murder of this 18-year-old Israeli citizen.
1: Unfortunately, when you said "18-year-old citizen," I actually went on my computer because it's not just one that was murdered over the past year. There were actually two. Um, there was Dvir Sarek, who was the uh, the student who was murdered, and then I'm sure you're talking about Ria Schnurb, the young girl who yes. was murdered, who yes. was also 18. Yes. Yes. Um, and unfortunately, you know, these things happen. Uh, you know, unfortunately, we've we've had to become very very strong to deal with these things and we cry terribly and um, i can go back over the years of constant you know unfortunately terror attacks Um, i try to tell people all the time that what our organization tries to do is to be proactive to prevent these Um, you know we love taking care of the victims after the fact but uh, but preventing them is more what what we're in line to do and we've you know we've been very fortunate to succeed in that regard as far as whether or not it's going to create a powder keg what more do we need? I mean you know the, 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 the leadership of uh, of the of the Palestinian Authority you know, wants to kill us on a regular basis i mean they 're trying all the time. We see on a regular basis and i don 't know i 'm stressing that, but it 's almost daily that there are attempted infiltrations, uh, whether it be in Judean Samaria or down south, that are literally thwarted uh, on a constant basis so you know, we, we always hear, OK, you know, America moved the embassy. It's going to create uh, strife. And America came out now and said the settlements are not illegal, per se. Uh, and now it's going to create strife. We don't need pirate kegs. They're, wow. they're trying every single day. They just fail more often than not.
0: Wow. Scott Feldman is my special guest. Uh, Scott, stay with me through one more break for a few minutes on the other side of it, because I want to talk about uh, looking into the future as far as Israel is concerned, I want to get from Scott Feltman, who is, of course, with one Israel Fund. He has insight that many times we're not able to grasp or even interview because of the nature of things. Many times uh, we just we just can't get into this conversation. But it's a very unique uh, situation that we have here today. And Scott, many of my friends who have relocated back to Israel uh, now, um, uh, I ask them the question about how far into the future uh, the, can they see? And I want to ask you that question when we return after this break. So don't any of you go anywhere because we want to get the perspective of Israel and we want to get the perspective of how far in the future are the um, Isra- Isra- Israeli people looking? Can they see into their future? It's easy to to look into the future when you live in a place like America, you figure you're going to change presidents and things will go on or you keep the same president and things will go on. Uh, You run out of of one Congress and things go on. They rock along. But in a dangerous neighborhood like Israel, many times the perspective of long term is different than ours. We'll talk about it when the C.L. Bryant show returns with Scott Feltman. One Israel fun. One Israel fun. Don't go anywhere. Back in a minute worth saving so you came and changed my life
1: you thought I was worth even so you clean me up inside you thought I was to die
0: for so you sacrifice this is the loving liberty radio network Stand up for America. Then Americans, stand up, stand up, stand up. God bless you. God bless America. I do the best I can. BL back with you on this fantastic day in America, the greatest nation on the face of the planet, the greatest success story the world has ever known. And we have friends. We have friends, particularly uh, one uh, special friend in the Middle East, our only true friend uh, there, our strongest ally in the region, that is Israel. And I think among all of our friends, they have been uh, the cornerstone of of our uh, existence and the philosophy that we have as Americans rooted and grounded in Judeo-Christian ethics. And I don't think that you can deny that with any real relevance uh, being taken seriously. My special guest is Scott Feltman, uh, One Israel Fund, One Israel Fund. And Scott, um, when we left, I wanted to ask you about your Perspective on Israel's future. How far do the young people, I guess, would be the best way to gauge it, or how far are those in the middle you know, who are middle-aged looking into Israel's future? How, how certain is it? I, I know that nothing is promised to us, but what, how, do you, how would you answer that question? How would you address that?
1: Well, first of all, I want to disagree with one thing you said. There is a promise that was made to us And that is, as you know, those who bless Israel will be blessed, and those who curse Israel will be cursed. Amen. So while we while we look at Iran as being this, you know, terrible uh, force out there, um, I'm, you know, I still believe in my heart uh, and with my faith that Israel will endure. Um, And it's interesting because almost every time you see these polls taken. Across countries, as to uh, you know the happiness factors in countries, Israelis rank right at the top on a regular basis they 're always literally in the top five or six countries as to how happy they are. Um, Israelis are very, very positive people they 've been through a lot, uh, both you know in modern times and throughout their history and we have a country now. We have a country that is thriving beyond anybody's imagination. I mean, the country is, is se- just over 70 years old. Its advances in medicine and science and literature and, and technology is just off the charts. Um, so, you know, when you look at when you, when you look at the big picture, uh, Israel is just a wonderful place, and, and the people do feel that. Um, you know, I, I I tell people this over the past week. There was a video that went out recently uh, which showed one of the, the rocket attacks down south from last week, and it landed on a busy highway as cars were going through. Um, my security project director, Mark Provisor, who happened to have been – gone down that day uh, to deliver some equipment to some of the security personnel. He told me three hours later, the road was completely repaired in the middle of all the rocket attacks. The road was repaired. You wouldn't even know that anything happened there. Um, They just, they bounce back um, and they really do have a positive outlook. Uh, But that being said... You know, just like your father, my father is a veteran. My father's going to be ninety-four. He fought in World War Two. Yeah, tells me all the time. Yeah, he tells me all the time. If I worried about, if if all of us worried about the future when it looked bleak, uh, we'd be in a different position today. You know, we have to basically take the present and make and and make our own future. Uh, and the Israelis constantly do that. Uh, my father smuggled arms into uh, in, into. Palestine, uh, which was the name of Israel before it became Israel in yeah. 1946 and 47, yeah. uh, in the hopes that in the hopes that there would be a country someday and it would be strong. Um, and you know, his actions in those early days uh, partially led to what we have today. So we just have to do our work. Uh, I can't tell you enough. When we started our organization in 1994, right after Oslo was signed, everybody told us we were insane. Uh, because even though Oslo didn't call for a Palestinian state, everybody kind of knew where the where the winds were blowing, and the founder of our organization, uh, someone named Yusheel Leiter, uh, he basically said, "Listen." That might be true, but we have to worry about it today and we have to do whatever we can to keep them strong and safe and thriving and, and give kids a proper childhood and, and adults the ability to, you know, to take care of their families and, and make a life here. So if we don't take it seriously, they're right, there won't be anything left. And he set out and created an organization that, you know, today has contributed over sixty five million dollars for the betterment of these communities. And like I said, it's gone from 100,000 residents to almost half a million, and if we would be allowed to build without restrictions, it would be at a million tomorrow.
0: That is absolutely amazing. Uh, one Israel Fund, oneisraelfund.org, uh, Scott Feltman is my special guest, has been my special guest, and uh, the, the pos- on a positive note that you just uh, left us with, I want to uh, leave uh, you uh, in this interview, but I do want to give you the last words, Scott, if there's anything that you may not have had a chance to say, uh, you take a couple of minutes, two or three minutes and uh, um, say them to our audience. If there's something that you'd like to leave us with, talk to us about your legacy. Once you decide to uh, you know, sit on the porch and rock and look off into the sunset, what would you like uh, to have done? Uh, what would you like us to say about you?
1: So first I'll start by saying there was there was a line that I wanted to say earlier in the interview uh, that some of your you know, your audience may remember. But David Ben-Gurion, who was the first prime minister of Israel, once said in Israel, and this is a direct quote, in Israel, in order to be a realist, you must believe in miracles. Um, And I think that really sums up the whole conversation. Yes, uh, because we see every single day miracles. Um, You know, from the 67 war till today uh, to the founding of the state, it's all been miraculous. And, you know, if at some point when I decide to pack it up and I have no intention of leaving right now. Um, I just want people to know that we, we tried to help, um, and we made a difference in their lives. You know, we made their lives better. We made their lives safer. Uh, we allowed children to be able to go play outside on the proper playground. Uh, we took care of the soldiers that were serving in the area with hospitality centers, which we build all the time. Um, you know, what one thing that people don't realize is that the settlements, and everybody thinks of these, like, tents on a hill, Uh, They are beautiful, sprawling homes. Um, It's a third uh, that are totally secular who live in these areas, uh, which people don't realize all the time. Like I said, it's a melting pot of Israel. Um, And I just want to know that, you know, the work we did uh, was appreciated and affected, uh, affected people in a positive way. And and I don't mean it just for the Israeli Jews. You know, I want to see this area thrive for everyone. Um, And I want to see a strong and vibrant Israel that can be exactly what it was meant to be, which is a a light unto the nations and a beacon uh, for everyone in that, especially in that region. And for the Arab countries to to get on board, because you know there's a lot they can gain from Israel. Uh, you know, Prime Minister Netanyahu made a major effort to go to Africa during his term in, uh, in terms in office and has made a, an enormous difference in their water technology and their clean air and you know the amount of goods that Israel can bring to the world if it's allowed to do so uh, and especially in that part of the world is, is, is immense and i just wish we didn't have to focus all of you know so much of our fundraising and our efforts in security and can go to building schools and playgrounds and and better lives for everyone living there.
0: Absolutely. Hey, listen, man, continue to fight the good fight. I know that you will because you are uh, fighting the good fight and uh, listen, God bless and keep you uh, my friend and uh, Shalom. And and we certainly thank you for being on uh, the show with us today. It won't be uh, the last time. I am absolutely uh, certain of that. God's will. But listen, uh, thank you again so much. Uh, Scott, Felton. Thank you so much for your friendship. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Sorry. Thank- Thank you so
0: much for your friendship and thank your audience as well. Yes, sir. I'm CL. This is the CL Bryan show. And that was Scott Feldman. One Israel fund go there and of course, uh, do what you can to help, uh, one Israel fund. Uh, it's a nonprofit. And I think that you will be blessed by doing it. Hey friends. Um, there's, uh, something that Scott left us with that I want to, uh, Certainly highlight he said uh, the first prime minister david Giraffe that of uh, Israel said these words and 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 as as a a man of faith, a Christian that I am I believe these words with all my heart in order to be a realist, you must Believe in Miracles. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, you need to think about that one. Uh, Think about that one uh, when you're driving down the road. Think about that one when you think about the journey that you've had here with your life and um, the, 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 should you, could you, uh, why are you still in your situation that you are in? Whether it's good, bad, or you're breathing, you're living, you're moving around in America. Perhaps you're not enjoying the, the type of life that you had dreamed of, but you're still enjoying uh, life. You're still here. Can you smile? huh That sunshine that you're feeling on your back your faith that you're looking at, perhaps not uh, feeling it, but maybe in a shaded room, who knows, but the air that you breathe and the blue sky that you're able to see, how much can you pay for that? How much would you pay for that? Well, you wouldn't pay anything because you couldn't. And so in order to be a realist, you have to believe in miracles. And of course, uh, there are some things that are just as miraculous to consider as they are to know that they are real. And that is in the beginning, God said, he spoke and what he said, he saw and friends. He always sees what he says. <laughs> yeah that's the whole point of uh, Genesis 1 is that you understand that God will see what he says come about that's the whole point in uh, Genesis the first chapter is to let you know that God wants you to know that what he has said he will see it and God saw that it was good Well, sometimes we take it and mess with it and turn it into something twisted and ugly, but that's not what God did for it. That's what you did for it. And uh, even though I'm glad that he gave us free will, um, if there is one other paradoxical thing in the universe that uh, is just absolutely as real as anything, giving this human creature his own free will, uh, I don't think it was a mistake but I certainly believe that it is truly an exercise in, I don't know, in stamina. <laughs> How long can it last giving this creature, this human creature, a will of his own to create his own environment? Ah. Uh, In order to be a realist, yeah, you have to believe in miracles. I'm CL. This is the CL Bryant Show. We're going to be back after the top of the hour with more. If you don't get both hours of the show, download free the CL Bryant Show app. I'll be back in just a couple minutes. Don't go anywhere.